Hey everyone, Dan here. Just wanted to pop in real quick for a correction. Uh, during the plugs, I mentioned that my release party for No Invite Volume 8 is June 2nd, but in reality, it is actually Thursday, June 9th. Just wanted to make that clear. And I also completely forget to mention that Matt Pryor is in the Get Up Kids or in any band at all at the top of the show. So, uh, enjoy. to the ground we're back another week another guest another home run i i'm gonna call it early i'm counting i'm calling my shot right now uh we got you have no idea founding <laughs> member uh current member and uh new friend to, to one and all uh he's here to give us his uh hot takes on this year's met gala red carpet mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. we got matt Pryor on the hello, pod hello how you doing I'm good. So we're just talking shit on Evan Weiss the whole time, right? Like that's the whole thing we're doing. <laughs> oh, I man. mean, if you want to, but absolutely not. Uh, damn it. I'll have, oh, to get rid- man. I'll have to throw away all my notes. <laughs> I mean, we'd be happy to hear yours, but you might get a like staunch no are you, comment. Are you drinking a dogfish head? The, the What is the, that? The sequench? sequench? Yeah. That's a pretty it, good it was, beer. It was left in my refrigerator, so it's mine those, now. Those are the best beers. It's really good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Dan, it, I Supposedly, just wanna... it is hydrating. <laughs> oh, well, we'll find out because I am exhausted. <laughs> That's what they told me at band practice one time. They're like, it's hydrating beer. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's fucking beer. <laughs> That's that's always the catch when I drink, like, especially uh, when those hard seltzers first hit the market. And it's mm-hmm, such a mind mm-hmm. fuck because it's just like, I'm <laughs> just drinking one right now. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, water, hydration. And it's like, no, I'm actually right. dying on the inside. <laughs> Yeah, but, they, uh, they'll they'll they 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 are light, but they will sneak up on you if you, mm. especially if you're like outside. Oh yeah, especially sun. if you're like yeah. lounging in a pool. Honestly, four point seven percent, like that's a full almost percent more than most of the beers I drink. Right? Uh, <laughs> are you I don't know anything I about. You're drinking champagnes. No, you're yeah, drinking. I, mean, I drink. If, since if moving if you're to a coward, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> since since moving to Baltimore, I drink more Natty Bows than anything else. Oh, so, oh my god. Uh, I'm leaving. I, ah, I love them. They, I love uh, Natty. <laughs> Natty Bow. Matt comes straight Natty out of the gate with the Evan Weiss, calling Andrew a coward. I'm loving it so far. I'm going to take this Royals hat off in a minute. <laughs> so Natty Bo introduced Look, I'm from a Kansas City, beer. but I am, I am by no means a sportsman. Like, you're oh, not impressing man. me with your Royals shit. If Jim oh were God. here, he would be, he would be all was, about it. This was my whole thing, man. I'm really throwing off now. Once, once again, I'm looking in a mirror, uh, in, in three different mirrors on this podcast. <laughs> uh, every guest we've had is a bearded man with glasses, <laughs> save for the two uh, women who are absolute saints who have come on so far. So but, uh, <laughs> when, we, when we started doing the Vagrant podcast, one of the things that we realized is that we were only talking to middle-aged white men. And then I was just like... <laughs> Well, that's kind of all that there was at the time, except, yeah, for, it, it except for Adrienne from the anniversary. And so we like yeah. talked to her, and but now it's like it, on when I go on podcasts now, it's like okay, so how old are you guys? Are you guys? I'm guessing you're in your thirties, 
You lookish. Uh, I'm in my mid thirties. Yeah, Andrews. I'm forty one. Okay, so you're you're not too far off from me, but it's like you know middle aged you know white men who used to go to shows in the nineties now have podcasts. <laughs> yep. Oh man, it's so true. Someone uh, someone mentioned and, and beards. I got told that I look like I was storming the Capitol the other day. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, someone someone was like they found my dating like a friend of mine found my dating profile on. Uh, oh, you're gonna lead on one off of the apps? And is, no, but she was just like, oh, how come you didn't mention your podcast? It's like one of your accomplishments. Like, listen, it's already implied. I have a podcast. <laughs> Matt, were you ever were the you own- ever single in the era of dating apps? No, God, no. Uh, <laughs> I've been with have, I've been with my wife since we were in high school, so I, 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 yeah. Do Do you have friends that are? Yeah. Do you uh, look actually, at that and you're like, "What the fuck?" Oh, just I think it's it's fine. We had this, so we had this uh, a driver one time. It was this guy named Spike. Is that, <laughs> Amazing, perfect driver best, name. All the best <laughs> he, ones are. He fucking he looked like Jason Momoa. He was like this massive dude. And uh, we were sitting at lunch one time, and him and our sound guy, Terrence, were talking about Tinder, because they were both on Tinder. And Terrence is like, what do you mean you don't get any any swipes on Tinder? And he's like, I don't know. People just don't, sw- don't seem to like me on Tinder. And Terrence goes, let me look at your phone. And he looks at his phone, and it says, looking for somebody who's not a crazy bitch. Uh, you guys are all like... <laughs> Oh, that's how you lead off, though. Oh, and, my, I, and, and mine says no cops, no conservatives. So it's not too far no, off. it doesn't. It does. No, it doesn't. I'm Show not me, trying to date any cops or me, conservatives. Text me a screen cap. I don't believe you. That's outrageous wow. shit. I love that. It, that's Is it though? Good. Is do it you, really? And what kind of and what kind of fish do you catch with? You that know, line? people just don't like swiping on me on Tinder. I mean, I feel spiked. Yeah. Imagine why. I think we just nailed it. And welcome, welcome to the Matt Andrew dating hour. Yeah, I, honestly, I've been married for 22 years. Let me give you some fucking well, dating there advice. There we go. No cops, no conservatives. Wow. <laughs> you love oh, that's man. pretty much my slogan for whenever somebody wants to license a song. Amazing. One. <laughs> Wait, so hold on. I didn't want to. So what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to punish you with like well, Kansas shit. <laughs> But I'm going to lead off with Kansas shit because I had something in the news pop up today. Well, Kansas shit is not punishing to me. One of my uh, one of my many like atheist publications I read. <laughs> Excellent. One of them noted that a town called Haven, Kansas, it's out uh-huh. near Wichita, mm-hmm. recently removed all of their "In God We Trust" from all of their police vehicles, huh. and this was like a anno- like of course there they would do that. Like, are there just crazy little pockets of like anarchists in Kansas? So. Uh... Uh, I'm actually really, really glad that you asked this because no one ever brings this up. But there is a long history of fucking crazy social movements that originate in Kansas. The temperance movement, banning alcohol, originated in Kansas with a woman who would go to bars with an axe and threaten people. Her name's, I love that one. Her name's uh, uh, Carrie Carrie A Nation, and she would like basically like threaten people at bars because her husband drank himself to death, and so basically she was just like, "This is poison. It's hurtful to women." And then also that led into the suffragette movement, which also, I mean, it kind of originated a lot, lot of different places. But a lot of the things about women wanting the right to vote is that. Like, 
people, they were like, men were like, well, we can't give women the right to vote. They'll immediately get rid of our drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that is a concern. Straight, straight edge revenge, baby. And then, and then if you get into like, if you get into like John Brown, who was a, a you know, an abolitionist, he. He was he was a I mean granted he was a terrorist but he was a terrorist on the right side of of history because he would basically kill slave owners <laughs> you know it was just like <laughs> he's fucking he's fucking crazy but and, and if you ever watch there's a great uh, mini series and Ethan Hawke plays John John Brown it's called a uh, the Good Lord Bird and it's so good um, but basically he just it's it's I don't know it's just fantastic so yes actually there is a history of <laughs> You know how there's like a lot of serial killers that come out of like Wisconsin. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird movements that come I never out of did Kansas. the math, but sure, <laughs> there, there are, there really are. And well, uh, like Ed Gein is from out there, right? I think. Yeah. Well, in uh, uh, Dahmer, uh, Dahmer's apartment was across the street from the Rave in Milwaukee, where we oh, played many times. With yeah. the pool underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh boy, that's uh, cool. But yeah, so there is a there's a lot of weird like Kansas historical shit. Like uh there was a guy who who made uh a, a an elixir that cured everything that was made out of goat semen. Like mm. it was just like, all right, whatever works for you, man. I think we that's, could probably bring actually, that back, you know. Yeah, that's what that's what Dan's doing at his book release party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We More were selling on that to come. <laughs> I'm pitching it to to GNC as the new uh the new cure all. <laughs> I will I will help you get on Shark Tank. Uh no problem with all my pull. So my buddy Dustin, who who's the plays keyboards and Get the Kids now, and played in the New Amps for a long time. He's a personal trainer, and we have this running gag that we want to create a a product line called Placebo Body, which is like a placebo <laughs> shake. You oh know? man! And I, uh, I I hope this podcast just becomes us like bringing people on with their pitches. I think that's a new sure. direction we need to, to follow through. <laughs> I mean, if I had known that was going to be the case, I would have prepared more. I thought we were going to talk about Dillinger Four. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there eventually, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Matt, if I can ask you a question, um, how long can you stand to be around personal trainers? Uh, From my perspective, (laughs) I I had a friend who was a personal trainer, and I had to stop hanging out with him. I was like, why? Look at you. He was also like 25. You you felt defensive. You felt I uh, did. I felt attacked. We went to a burger no. place and he's chowing down and I'm like, dog, I've ne- literally never been heavier. What are you Dustin's, doing? Dustin's not like that. Dustin's <laughs> Dustin's a, a very good egg. Like I've I've been playing. He and I have started playing together in New Ams in 2005, and he became a personal trainer maybe like five six years ago, I think. And uh, he just he he's not a douche about it. He works at this gym. And this will you'll love this. So the gym is called Studio Alpha. Oh, right? yes, it is. Yes, and, it is. And Amazing. I'm just like, and I so I wanted I started going there and I was like, dude, I don't know if I can come here anymore. Especially because like after because there's a lot of thing in in like the fitness community that get into like anti-vax like kind of like like yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put this experimental drug yeah. in it. you know like that kind of As thing. As they should. And I'm just like I'm just like I'm not giving these people my money and uh. But it's he is like he was telling me the other day because we got those shows with Jawbreaker a couple of weekends ago, and so he had to explain to everyone at the gym, all the other trainers, who Jawbreaker was and why oh it was God. so important, <laughs> why it was such a big deal that we got these shows. Man, and that was that was like me explaining to my ex who had broken up with me like two hours before who the Are Blood you Brothers were. There? <laughs> He's like. 
Okay, so you know you're going back to like the the '90s, like mid '90s, and then like in Seattle there's Sunny Day Real Estate, and then in DC there's Fugazi, and then like there's this band Jawbreaker. Right, who basically, I can't imagine why it basically didn't work a, a, out. Like if you picture Blink One Eight Two, but smart, you know, like it's just like <laughs> you know they're like a punk rock band, but their lyrics are very meaningful, you know, like that kind of thing. And it was just Matt, oh. are you are you active on Twitter? I use Twitter for work. That's about it. So, um. You just mentioned Jawbreaker, and I was wondering if you happen to I catch have seen the shit. Evan Dando's tweet story. I haven't. I, so you and I, you and I do not know each other, but in that moment, Dan and I were sitting here, and I went, I need to email Matt and hear what he thinks. I mean, oh, boy. Uh, so I got told today that now our – Former manager who is currently Jawbreaker's manager has been resp- Rich Egan, who used to own Vagrant Records, is responding mm-hmm. to to Evan Dando's tweets, which oh, no. is probably not a great idea. But you know, Egan's a very he will go to, he will you know he'll die on that sword if he has to. And uh, I, I'll I'll be completely honest, like that Jawbreaker tour was a blessing for us, but it was kind of at their expense at the Lemonheads' expense, which isn't great for us like it's not a great feeling for us it's like obviously this guy's going through something sure. you know what i mean and uh apparently he's decided to make it very public which is a, probably <laughs> always a good always a good move probably gonna be regretful in the long term but i it, just it, i can't believe that the person who covered who got famous for covering mrs robinson is calling blake schwarzenbach a pussy it was <laughs> the most surreal moment it's of a, my life it's a I was strange like, this it's is, a strange this, move it's definitely this a is strange how i move. think i'm in a uh a simulation like in, in a simulation like who else <laughs> is that audience for it's i'm an audience of one Oh man, oh, yeah. I it's definitely like downloaded thing. that song off like Kazaa back in the day. Well, here's if the not, thing: like, so if not we Napster, got, we got that tour, and when, when we were doing, we started at a Patreon early on in 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 COVID, and we ended up stopping it because it was just too much work. And uh, we covered a we covered a Rudderless, we covered a Lemonhead song, mm-hmm. and so when we got the tour, we we're just like, should we play? Rudderless, and, and we're just like at first we we're like yeah that'll be fucking hilarious and then like as we watched his tweet storm we're just like <laughs> we're like i don't know this would really come across as insensitive <laughs> you know, like, oh man well that was after right no it was it was he was uh, he apparently started these weird tweets after their disastrous show in la from what i understand oh okay so i didn't and know then he posted I mean, uh, no i'm not gonna say it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's tough. I it was a uh, I uh, it just didn't seem real in a way that was like what uh, are you uh, saying? What what's the goal here? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't I, I don't want to uh, reading I've the done, tweets it, it not, legitimately sounded like you know, it was someone you know, not not having a good time. <laughs> like definitely going through some shit for I'm sure. I'm not trying to call the kettle black. Right, but I'm at least just a drunk, and that's it. And so the worst thing I can do is shit my pants and throw yeah. up. You know, <laughs> just like, yeah, but nobody's nobody's calling Matt Pryor out. Come on, who's calling you out? Eh, there's people who don't like me. No, nah, I don't believe it. Not in my circle. Anyway, uh, 
So we were. This is the best interview I've ever done. This is amazing. I was Here already, we are, man. I was so, already look. I was so looking forward to this just because I want to talk about Dillinger Four and like. And now this is just turning into like just shit talking out. This is hey, better. This is better than the the into it over it or whatever. The the power the, hour. What was yeah, it called? Yeah. The the into it over at Wiener Minute. Yeah, man, I love Evan. Um, please don't think I love you, man. So Dan I, and I were talking I, about I the Get Up say, Kids this. Hang week. on a second. I have to tell Ooh, you. Something. Here we I have go. to tell you one thing. I okay. owe a life debt to Evan Weiss because. Uh, when I was at a point where I was probably my most jaded about punk rock, I met Evan, and he explained to me that there was a new generation of not much younger than me people who were doing, like, house shows and weren't part of this, like, corporate establishment and were, like, still playing at the church in Philly and, and all all this kind of stuff. And, and it really made me feel like there was hope in the world. And then when my daughter started playing in punk bands, that was the next sort of, like, incarnation of that. So I do... I love Evan. He is an asshole, but I do owe him a life debt. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. He's not an asshole. I love no, him. No, he's. Death. You know what? I couldn't. The, I could. I don't have the amount of time to say nice enough things about Evan. He. Uh, we were friends, coworkers. Uh, what a. What a. What a musical mind. Also. <laughs> Yes. Um, he tried to teach me how to play into it over at songs when he was first doing like thinking about doing full band. And I was like, I don't know what you're doing. Like sitting in his yeah, you just kind of go like, like, well, is that what? part really necessary? Well, like, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> this is in what tuning? Yeah. It's oh, insane. Man. But yeah. I was yeah. told there would be no math. <laughs> so wait, did you meet him on that? What was that tour called with like Ace and and Chris? It was the Where's the Band tour that right. someone that was the first time I met Evan and Man. the first time I met Ace Enders who who is is still I think mad at me but um friend of the pod Ace Enders <laughs> great great guy great, great guy. guy not mad at you. Uh, I'll well. text him right now. <laughs> Please don't. No. <laughs> so, so what was that tour like? I remember seeing that tour go up and go like, "That's that's a I lot of people." I love the idea of Evan being on that, and he's like, "I never had a band. <laughs> Where's the band?" <laughs> oh, right like, at that point. Oh uh, well, yeah. I mean, so that that tour concept started with me and Conley and Ant from Bayside and and Dustin from Thrice, and that was the first tour that we did. Yeah, and the joke was, "Who's the poor bastard who's going to have to tour manage four lead singers in one Ooh, van?" Oh my god! No. <laughs> Who ended up doing and, it again? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, this guy Jameson was the first guy that we had, but he was. It was just. It was just chill. It was fine. Like we're all very uh, practical. I guess is the word. Uh, like you know, Conley's off in space and ants you know, all business. And then Dustin, Dustin and I would stay up late and drink whiskey and talk about religion. <laughs> and it was just kind of like this long, this long thing. And it's great. And I, I love all of those guys to this, to this day. And so then when both when Ace came in and when, uh, Evan came in, it was kind of like, all right, new guy. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, <you're... laughs> who are you again? <laughs> and I didn't know who I didn't really didn't know who Evan was. It was just like this. There's been many times that our booking agent Andrew Ellis has said not many times, a handful of times. He's been like, "I'm thinking about booking this guy. Will you check him out?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." And one was Dashboard Confessional, and one was Say Anything, and the other one was Evan. And it's just like, "All right, yeah, he's good." 
whatever. That's near for sure. Yeah. The um, um, anyway, let's start the podcast. Dan, <laughs> I, I, Dan, it's clear you haven't listened to previous episodes. We kind of go off on a tangent yeah, for a this while. This goes for a while, I, but that's fine. you know, if you if you're low on time, feel free to you know move things along if you need to. Wait. No, I have I have this much beer left, so I will have to go get another beer. But like other than that, I'm totally totally perfect. Open. Dan and I were talking this week, Matt, and as we do. Mm-hmm. I. Dan, what's your favorite Get Up Kids record? <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? What my, what's my Get Up Kids record? We've been talking about it all week. Tell them. Uh, oh, is this uh, like is this like when you're a Doctor Who fan and you say, "Who's your doctor? Who's your doctor?" <laughs> yeah. My doctor is uh, David Tennant, all the, the way. The British one, yeah. <laughs> the British, the British one. Um, not so, that. Not are, that. Are you trying to? Are you trying to get me to say there are rules? Oh my God! Yes, talk about it, please. Okay. Yeah. No, I think. Do I you think... like that record? I, I do. Love that fucking I, record. We both really enjoy it, and oh, and I, I like also, it too. I thought the other we, one I thought you are... were also trying to get me to say is uh, the live record, which I also hyper appreciate and love, and kind of reinvigorated my love uh, for you guys I don't back care in the about day. Live records, I wouldn't have said that. But <laughs> I, well, that's the thing is, I it's I live records I think get overlooked, and I think yours is is one of the good ones. You know, uh, what's it? What's kind of acts as like a greatest hits? What's a landmark live record? Not that I'll change the subject. <laughs> the like only that, one but... I can think of off the top of my head right now also is uh, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, the Blink-182 oh, one, just because I listened to okay. it so much in middle school. See, I was going to go with Elvis's 68 comeback special. Oh, All see, right, well. and I go um, uh, Wilco kicking television. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good one, although <sighs> they had kind of already gone into full-on dad mode at that point. So you know do what you I mean? think do you think the transition to dad mode was Nels Klein? No, I think I think that Nels Klein and Jim O'Rourke being in the band made that band much more experimental when after this is some fucking nerdy shit. Uh, <laughs> after Jay Bennett left who uh-huh. you know, was kicked out or, or whatever i kind of this argument with a I friend saw of the mine. documentary it's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and it's I listened some to, kind of I listened monster. to the uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Woco documentary, some kind of monster. I listened to Tweedy's audiobook and he was talking about that that incident where he goes and like throws up in the bathroom after getting into an argument with Jay Bennett and I'm like, "Oh, I've been there. I've totally done that. Like I've just I've definitely gotten in an argument with someone over a stupid studio creative decision and then gone and just It's okay. Fuck. You can you can call him Jim. We all know. <laughs> it's actually not usually him. No, surprisingly enough. Uh, the, but it's it just, it, you know, I mean, if you want to, I don't know. I can, there, I think that Summer Teeth and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot might be perfect records, but I also think Being There and AM are both excellent records. And then, you, and I, A Ghost is Born is a perfect it's record. A, it's a great, that's also and a great like, record. I, I start to, I start to, I think I started, we were talking about this on the Vagrant. Yeah, sorry, I keep bringing up the podcast that I hope. No, oh, it's fine. But, it's uh, a good podcast. We Jim can talk I, about your work too. <laughs> Jim and I were talking about how, uh, like, when we were making something at home about that, like, Clarity was like, you know, Jimmy World's Clarity was like huge. We're just like, well, fuck, you know, uh, well, we gotta do, we gotta up our game. But then also, it was Summer Teeth. It was like very much like at that same time, right? That we're just like, well, shit, this is like actual like American pop music. Like, this is what this should should be and I, I don't know it's just and then i remember in, and then i remember in 2001 playing the vagrant 
America tour and we were at the House of Blues and it's got that that car right there where where the 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 two buildings are yep. and me and Jay Russell from Hot Rod Circuit just getting drunk and just yelling like singing Wilco songs. <laughs> I did at, the same thing at the parking lot. Like it was just. <laughs> I did the same thing when I saw it. I uh, yeah, I took a picture and it was like this. Uh, we're just here. like going. I'm trying to break your heart. <laughs> uh, so oh. uh, I uh, how much are you a gambling man? You look like a gambling man. Uh, not any, not anymore. I have been in my life. So, how much how much would somebody have to pay you to swim across that river that goes through uh, Chicago? Just jump in, thousand bucks. I mean, given what I know about that river, I probably get cancer by doing that. <laughs> so, 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 two thousand. You know the talking you, here. you know the Dave Matthews story about that river. Oh, oh yeah, I do know that okay. story. Is it true, that's, or is it just like a like a urban no, that's legend? Real. I've I've heard from. Mul- I mean, it it is it is a thing of legend, and if it's not true, who cares? As, <laughs> that's true. As as Keith, Mo- as Keith Moon once said, "Never let the truth get in the way of a good story." <laughs> I think that is one thousand percent a true story. Oh man! I think it's entirely knowing bus drivers. I think it's entirely possible. Oh, yeah. Absolutely possible. <laughs> so uh, back to the Get Up Kids, real quick. <laughs> no, go. it's it's very interesting. So <laughs> I mean, um, me being a little younger, I remember Brad. kids in my school. Right. Hey, it's very rare these days. I get to be the young one in Yo, anything. I, okay? I remember not being an AARP. <laughs> But uh, I remember it, there were some very snooty emo gatekeepers in in my like early high school days. Who they went on to do like actually some stuff in music. But I remember like a kid did a like a report or a presentation on on a wire. Okay, and like put on his intellectual glasses. Like this record was when they were inspired by the Beatles, and it was like <laughs> so fucking funny to hear about the record through like definitely like an interview that you guys probably did in like you know uh, Maximum Rock and Roll or something. Like probably not back that then. one, but it was. But um, it's just like it was just this hilarious thing. But it was like you know something that I remember uh, you know obviously being like getting into something to write home about and then when the live record came out though that was when i'm like and we found out you guys were you know splitting up at the time we're like we gotta go fucking see them and it was as a lot of the stories go with you know these things where it's like oh i got to see a band during one of their last shows blah 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 and then the bands get back together <laughs> like well, you, so many bands God, you, had that happen but i remember it was being a point of pride that we saw you at starland so ballroom many. in new oh, jersey yeah. With the and that was steady. and that was the second to last show, you guys, because I think the next one was the Kansas City, you know, the Kansas, mm-hmm. um, you know, farewell show, and I still remember that show because I think Jim maybe crowd surfed during Campfire Kansas, and someone stole the tambourine out of his hand, <laughs> but just crowd surfing huh. to I the mean, acoustic gonna, songs with a tambourine. Surf, that's the one. Man, and you've touched on you've touched on so many things that I can talk on. Uh, one of which is that I don't know if whatever happened during Campfire Kansas because that's when I go backstage and make a cocktail and take a piss. So <laughs> there is a, a story about playing in Australia where a naked dude jumped off the stage during Campfire Kansas, and I, I mean, did not I did not see that at all. <laughs> that's and, a go off song. Everyone <clears throat> goes off during Campfire Kansas. Yeah, it's apparently Mosh a pit ripper. opens up. Uh, 
but so I, good. In, in regards to there's there's so much that you say about like with Wire, um, we when we look back at that record now, we kind of think we're just like, well, the songs are good, but the whole thing is a bit tame, you know, like, and so when we play those songs live, like we're like, okay, wish you were here should sound like a replacement song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it should it should have grit to it, and it doesn't on the record. It sounds very safe, and well, you know, at the time we were trying to kind of like get out of our of our musical you know stereotypes or whatever, and so we accomplished that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was definitely different, but it was like when we look back and I was like, oh no, this is a rock song that we played like, yeah, like well, like we're in the Jayhawks, who are not I, who I love the Jayhawks, <laughs> but it's just like they're an acoustic based band. Yeah. You know? like, well, but you know the, what? You know what's the the interesting thing, and I think the reason that I would tell Dan why I like their rules so much is because I feel like the Get Up Kids <laughs> that's grew the other up. Ex- that's the other yeah, extreme. But I'm saying like the Get Up <laughs> Kids were releasing records that were relevant to what I was listening to at the time. Right? Mm-hmm. So when On A Wire came out, I probably just found out who Big Star was. You know oh. what I mean? And so like that's a huge you know, thing to have happen. And then, you know, by the time their rules come out, I'm, I'm listening to, you know, more aggressive stuff or also more art based stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that I, was, a, I feel a like very you're, uh, thing. you're a very uh, progressive uh, album listener then. Cause oh, I think well. that that is not really hey, the bud. case that most people have had. It's usually like we put out something that we're like, okay, so this is like, so like we're really into can right now, so right. we're gonna put out this record that's got a bunch of repetitive shit on it. And wait, we, yep. that's what you were listening to when you were some making of that it, record? Yeah, I mean, some. I mean, honestly, a lot of rules was like it was just synthesizers and distortion. Yeah, you know, and then it was just like just make it weird, man. Just make it weird. I like you know, and then I actively pursued because I thought that's what we wanted because I wasn't entirely sure what we were doing when we got the band back together. I just was not, I was writing lyrics that didn't have like a a purpose. Like they didn't, they're kind of, they're not nonsensical, but they're, they're abstract, right? They're not like love songs. There's no love songs on that record. You know what I mean? Like there's, um, you know, there's angry songs and there's like when you, when you play an acoustic show, there's nothing you play off that record. Well, we don't play much off that record anyway. That's Except that we, crazy. we you should least... open with tithe every yeah, single please. show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I the go problem... go to uh, whenever that ten year comes around, which is probably coming up. It's this year, actually. Yeah, or last, I, year, I, or last year. I want to. I want a ten year. Their rules uh, tour. Well, you, you are you, and that's it. Um, <laughs> we'll book you. At run into the ground. No, fest. We, let's we, make the plans we, now. <laughs> we really, really love that record. And then, actually, now that we have Dustin in the band and he plays guitar too, as well as keyboards, like we started playing that song "Regents Court," where he would because that, that song's, song's so fucking been, good. That song's yeah. been always been really hard for me to play and sing because, like, again, it was like trying to. Like I'm a rhythm guitar player because I'm a singer and I'm not really a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And so but the the guitar part that I play on that is basically a lead line. It's like it take it's a lot of like moving around <clears throat> and so I have to like sing it and watch my hands at the same time. And so we worked it out to where Dustin could play my part and then I would just play on the choruses and it would just go boom in the choruses Love like that. you know and it was really cool, and we did it for a handful of shows, and then COVID hit. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, well, the uh, I remember when, because uh, you guys put out Simple Science, the EP mm-hmm. first, 
and and that probably has like the selection of like the weirdest songs that kind of the most experimental songs that ended up you think so on their rules mostly I, I, just, I, I just remember hearing it and it like blew my mind like i was just like what the fuck is going on but it was it was like so <laughs> catchy and i it just like floored me it was so i'm like this is fucking sick and it it See, definitely stands argue, apart in the catalog that, but like on its own it's so good i would argue that simple science is more uh more uh pop oriented than rules is even but like, it I still think has it, like the oh my god I, i'm blanking on some of the song titles but just like the synth is so like heavy and distorted and like just a really like, interesting yeah, way that i, I was mean, not it, expecting it's like that on rules a lot too uh, just uh yeah it's it's a it's a you know it's uh how do you explain this it's like uh i i guess a, a blessing and a curse is is not really caring what other people think you know what yeah. I mean? And sometimes I think it was it, I think it was Keith Case, the one with that that synth, oh, just like blew my mind. With, yeah, that song's weird. It's also <laughs> a weird song. There's also a weird song because I came into band practice one day and Ryan goes, "This song's called Keith Case," and I'm like, "Wait, you don't? I name song? You don't name songs? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you doing? Who, who that is with Keith Tom, Case? So it's apparently their the Pope's father's name before he was adopted he was oh. adopted and and converted to mormonism and and they were raised in the mormon tradition and his original name was keith case and i'm just like what am i supposed to fucking do with that do you want me to like write a song about your dad like i don't know like... so the song's not really about anything you know what i mean yeah. like it's just it's there's a lot of like like I don't know if this is actually the case or not, but when I listen to like the promise ring, uh, nothing feels good, and you listen to like something like "Is this thing on?" where it just sounds like he's singing like in Delaware, oh, you aware? Nonsense. It's just like yeah. Well, it's yeah, and it's just like I'm sure he means something by it, but I don't know what it is. You know what I right. mean? It just sounds like words that sound cool. It, it sounds like he's doing like he old was, radio warm ups. You know, right? He was he was yeah, too like, close to the Kinsellas to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> some, of the, some of that Tim Kinsella rubbed off on him a little bit. You know? Are you from Chicago originally? Jesus. No, me we, no. <laughs> trust me, people have heard of the Kinsellas on this podcast. <laughs> no, but I mean, we're bringing up Evan. We're bringing up the Kinsellas. No, like, um, who did we talk about with the about the Kinsellas? Oh God, who knows anymore? Oh, um, Kip. Was it Kip? Yeah, we talked about with we, we had uh, we had Kip from Pains of Being Pure Heart on the podcast, uh-huh. and we talked about the Kinsellas the whole time. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Oops. The, well, only, um, the only time I have ever been, um, well, okay. So when we were in LA in 1999, we were making something to write home about. We went to the Troubadour to go see Jean d'Arc or whatever they're called, <laughs> and we were. In the balcony of the Troubadour, and we were having some drinks, and we were talking, and somebody fucking shushed us. They went, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time I've ever been shushed at a rock show before. Oh, Amazing. And it was by who? By Tim? No, it was just by somebody in the crowd, oh. but I was just kind of oh. like, I was kind of like, <laughs> fuck I can't you. hear the art. I'm Yo, trying to make, I'm honestly, trying to make this though, make sense, and you're, you're missing it. If you I were remember... going to be shushed at any band, it would be that one, probably. The, oh, for sure. The first time I ever went to a show where people sat down on the floor was oh, God. Uh, Joan of Arc playing In Support of the Gap, that record. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... And they had every, it was just Tim and somebody else, and they had everybody, like, sit down on the floor of the, the church. That's some ghost my shit. Like, 
This is, I don't like this at all. No, it this sucks. feels weird. That sucks. <laughs> the um, so you yeah, uh, label label mates though, or am I? You know, no, what I mean? I'm not when's saying your, they're a bad when's band. Your, when's <laughs> your split coming? And out? I love hanging out with Mike. <clears throat> I love hanging out with Mike because I go like, your band's called like American Baseball, right? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you don't even know Yo. the name of my band, and I'm like, I don't. I just said it's American Baseball. I don't know what. Do you, <laughs> You know that that band that got popular after they broke up, like all the other ones. Yeah, you're the neutral um, milk hotel of emo. Like. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. I love this. We're just gonna have you on for like the shit talk session, and you'll just no, open up every no. week uh, with some new I, it's opinions. Only, it's it's only for Mike Kinsella and I have the same fucking sense of humor. He would absolutely hundred percent. Mike, come uh, on the pod. <laughs> what uh, Matt? What do you what have you been listening to? Oh, so. Uh, okay. I'm gonna tell you this, and then I'm gonna have to go. Well, I have the last of my beer, and then I'm gonna have to pause and uh, go get another one. I am on a very deep and possibly religious dive into Jeff Rosenstock. Oh, uh, okay. It, to the point where I am, like, when we start talking about doing this, talking about Dillinger, you know, the first Dillinger Four record. I've often said that I think it's the last great American punk record. And then I discovered Jeff Rosenstock. Interesting. <laughs> and, just kinda, and so now I think that Worry, which came out in 2016, oh, like 100%. might be the last great American punk record. <laughs> 100%. And, and I'm just like, why? Like, I, I've met Jeff Rosenstock in passing. I've been aware of him. I'm on the same fucking label as him. Why have I not recognized what a fucking genius this guy yeah. is? It's insane. In in this in in the sphere of punk rock in general. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just I don't know. It's just I'm just and then my kids are into it too and so they're like I it's just it's wild. It's wild. That wild, record wild. I did I did not care about bomb the music industry i didn't know least, any i didn't know I didn't, anything about i didn't them. care about it till now that um, that last bomb the music industry but when record I heard, is great i like when i heard I worry like, the for the first time worry like knocked me out it was like the first time i heard pup i was like this yes, is fucking yes exactly so exactly far exactly ahead like the first time i heard joyce manor you know what i mean all yeah. these Wait, bands it's pup, so fucking pup, far uh, past what for I us. we did a week-long tour in 2015 and pup opened for us <laughs> all right and i, I saw you like, guys at the stone pony yeah that, yeah. that's fucking real and i was just like what and that was when doing? Pup's first record came out thing uh, yeah. too i think the that, res- that reservoir song and just like yeah oh my god and i'm just like why why what are we even doing like why are we even bothering to do this like and that's how i feel about worry and honestly about a lot of jeff's stuff uh like you know post but that record is there's something like really perfect about it it's it's like i don't know man he's he's just a tour de force uh it's it's wild i really want to get like uh did you were you a fan of the chris gethard show yes i like chris gethard quite a bit oh Oh, my god when I learned that he was he was apparently opening because they had a comedian open the he was opening shows. the New York Jawbreaker shows uh-huh. yeah and I was just like fuck he's not doing the ones that we're on because like Kyle Kinane was on some of them and Chris yep. Gethard was on some of them and I was yep. like god damn it I love both those guys I, I really want to get him on the pod uh, I used to go to a lot of his like public access and like TV tapings in New York and so weird. his his it's music so booker weird. is the best in the biz like he had so many incredible he had fucking Adam in his package on cable television. 
television. Like, That's insane. Unbelievable gets. Like, he definitely knew he had a platform, and he's like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I'm going to bring everyone I ever cared about on. And yeah, he Jeff got- Rosenstock on. He had Screaming Females. He had... I mean, in his public access state, he had the weirdest shit. He had, like, evil sword play. Like, so Chris Gethard's got this really great, I guess it's like an essay that he wrote, that he does, like, kind of an audio book presentation of it that's about being a parent and having, like, mental illness and, 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 uh, and anxiety and all this kind of stuff that's really, really good. And it's just this thing about how, like, you know, you have a kid and you're like, okay, so I have episodes and... Am I now making a person that is going to have episodes yep. as well? Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just very honest and it's very like I will always love him for that because like that it's just uh, you know I don't know I'm just it's just very open and very honest and I appreciate it. So. Oh yeah, uh, I the, saw him you know, do a lot of that uh, recently. At uh, he did Crossroads and Garwood, and uh, he did a lot of that material. And I think it's for an upcoming special coming up. So I'm I'm real yeah, stoked. Uh, to... Yes, yeah, and he w- even talked about that. And he's like, you know, when you tell people in your comedy special that you're suicidal people are concerned about you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so we we were talking about you were talking about chris gethard and chris gethard i just started listening with my wife we just started listening to his uh, new jersey is the world podcast oh Um, i haven't heard that it's unfucking real and it makes me think about like does everybody else have the same like allegiance to their state like uh, if, Jersey, if you haven't noticed, Jersey me and Andrew were very I, New Jersey. Jersey I till I fucking still die. live there. I, I love Except it. you moved out, so. Yeah, but we'll like, see. you gotta, I'll come back eventually. But <laughs> Everyone it's just, does. It's a, it's a magical place. You know, people keep telling me that about New Jersey. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place. And then I, I mean, went to the, the John Bon Jovi <laughs> rest stop. Yeah. We were just talking about New Jersey rest stops on the break. <laughs> Have you been there? It's on the way to Asbury Park. Oh, I've I been there. To, yeah. It's a good one. Have you been and to the Judy just... Bloom? Uh, the Judy Bloom rest stop? I'd probably be more supportive of that than the John Bon Jovi one. But, uh, <laughs> um, so I have a real allegiance to the Midwest. And okay. Less so about Kansas or Missouri. I grew up in Missouri, and I live in Kansas. And Kansas can f- fuck right off. It's just like, you know, I mean, I live in this, uh, you know, like every conservative state has one, like, small blue college town in it. You and know, yours is Lawrence. And, and Lawrence is, it's like Boulder, Lawrence, Missoula, Montana. You know, like, it's just like, <laughs> and so... But I mean, you know, you go out west of here and it's beautiful. The Flint Hills are beautiful, but it's just Trump 2024 posters everywhere and it's just Amen, I mean, brother. It's like that in New Jersey too, honestly. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I mean, I live I live in Baltimore and if I go out just outside of the city, that's all it is. Yep. yep. That yeah. is the thing that you learn about when you're a touring musician is that like places that are liberal are not there they have large cities that are full of liberal people and then like oregon oregon might be the most conservative state in the nation oh, but 100 percent. yeah it also has, full of it some has of the portland. most wacky people yeah it has portland and it has eugene and it has you know i, I guess bend to a certain degree yeah but or it, like medford but yeah but it's just like there's some fucking r- I mean, I feel right at home going to gas stations in 
rural Oregon and Oregon, <laughs> Oregon, and Oregon. It's there like was a, just a different kind of. They're like logging shit kickers as opposed to like cow absolutely. ranching shit kickers. Well, that, which is that's what something I never realized until I did like a road trip across the country. Is that like anywhere east of Bend is just like a high desert. Yeah. And it's not something you'd ever think of, like, in the Pacific Northwest. you think lush greenery, you know, wet fog, humidity. But, like, west of Sisters, Oregon, or east of Sisters, Oregon, is just, like, desert, dust, tumbleweed. I played a show. Yeah, that's... I played a show at a at a, a hotel that's, a, like, a wood cabin lodge in Sisters, Oregon. It was me and Dan Andriano from Alkaline Trio. And it was, like, wow. they're like, do you want to play this, like, acoustic thing in, like, the the common room of this hotel <laughs> overlooking a lake and you get like a free hotel room and you get paid. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds rad. Anyway. So no, I don't, I, the, uh, the allegiance to New Jersey that it's natives have is, is I am aware of it, but it does. I don't necessarily, uh, relate to it. I I think it's something New Jersey's just been the butt of every joke for so long that like you kind of have to be we're we're literally called a flyover state you think we're not the butt of every joke (laughs) Well, the the opposite side of that is New Jersey everyone thinks that New Jersey just looks like the view outside of Newark airport you know so people flying into our state and they just see like industrial wasteland and they think that's what it's all about you know um, so. Matt, I have a quick question about Lawrence, if you don't mind. I love that you're asking. <laughs> you don't have to ask our it's, guest if you can ask them a question. It's kind of my thing. Anyway, it really has become your thing. Matt, um, do you like coffee? Mm-hmm. Do, how often do you get to uh, repetition coffee over there in uh, in Lawrence, Kansas? Uh, I have a freezer full of repetition coffee <gasps> right now. Repetition I, Coffee was a company that was started by Ryan Pope, the Get Up Kids drummer, and his uh, ex-wife, Amy, who now still owns the company. They roast about a block and a half away from me, so periodically, oh, uh, <laughs> my whole neighborhood smells like coffee roasting, which is kind of amazing, sure. um, and their coffee is, is quite good. I like so, it quite a bit. When I first moved to Baltimore... I got a job working at a uh, cuz I've worked in coffee for like 20 years. And uh Have you had repetition? I have. What um, do you think? I uh when I moved to Baltimore, I worked for a company that was a green coffee importer. Mm. And so I sold coffee to Amy for repetition and it took me a couple transactions to be like Pope Kansas, like there's no way, right? <laughs> and I like through well, not anymore. I, I think a, <laughs> they're not together a, anymore, right, right? Right. But through like a Sprudge article, which Sprudge is like an industry website, I put it together, and I was like, Amy, how are you? How's everything going? Like, did you name uh, repetition after an unwound song? And she's like, Well, no, I just <laughs> like the name. And I was like, Well, see ya. <laughs> That's but I, I yeah, their I'm, coffee's amazing. Their coffee's so. very good. It's it's a lighter it's a lighter roast than I normally do. Like I, mm. I'm more of a dark roast kind of guy. But like oh. they're we'll forgive they're, you for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let this one I like, slide. I like strong flavors. I like hoppy IPAs. I like curries. I like dark roast coffee. I you're, like you're one bold of man. Those three. Look at my beard. 
It's true. <laughs> Matt, what Again, we're looking your... in three different mirrors here. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to your palate that you were like, it needs a strong everything? I think I blew it out. Somehow, <laughs> like, I think too much. I think I can only slits, taste. You were like, <laughs> no, I think I can only, like, when we were first touring, we would drink Rolling Rock and it's just like, <gasps> fucking horrid. And, uh, I just got into IPAs, and now I just can't taste anything else. I will say, though, if we're in Europe, I love a good Kolsch, and I love a good Pils. If we're, sure. If we're in the motherland, you know, then a Pilsner in Prague is one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have in your life. It really is. I was uh I went to Prague with a friend of the pod, Joe Morrow, of the, of the early November, and... uh we drank a lot of really good beer. It was amazing. For, for probably not very much money either. For not very much money. <laughs> and I and I know I've I've told this before, but the week we were there, um, ACDC was in town. We nice. didn't see him, but we saw their fans everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. It's almost just as good. Oh, man. So uh, pivoting back to music momentarily before we get into the, the record we <laughs> yeah, actually came all here to talk about. <laughs> We've been talking I, for like an hour and we have not gotten to the point. That's just how it goes over here. Yeah, Welcome we to the club. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I wanted to talk about just like how wild the Vagrant Records catalog was back in the day. And like looking oh, at right. like because I, I did I, I did my, my research and I listened to that Vagrant podcast at least the episodes that you were on and just talking about like which is all i'm on them. i'm on all of them i'm the host oh, oh okay well i listened <laughs> to the first two then <laughs> but oh, uh man but i love yeah I, I did some research okay that's better than normal uh no but, uh, uh, trust me like i'm i'm the host and so therefore everyone thinks that i am in charge of it and so okay. like other people who are involved like egan will like hit me up and be like this was wrong this was wrong and i'm like i don't <laughs> And then, like, I don't, I'm just the ho, I'm just, you know, I'm yeah. Pat Sajak. Like, I don't really, well, I don't edit it. I don't fucking put it together. So, th- this is still, like, kind of a tangent from Vagant Records, but I remember their distro at Warp Tour being, like, incredibly vast. And they were the ones that had just, like, tables and tables of records of, you know, distro and, and stuff from all over. And this came up recently because the drummer of The Locust recently passed away. R.I.P. Gabe Serbian, like oh. an incredible musician. Yeah. But I remember at Warp Tour, probably early high school, I bought my first vinyl record, which was the Locust Melt Banana Split on 7-inch. Okay. And I bought it because it was clear vinyl, and I thought that was cool and unique. And it had a picture of like a penis wearing a diaper with a, an eye crying on the cover. <laughs> And for some reason, sure. that was the first record I chose, but it put me on this high, weird path of, of art, strange outsider art. music. High art. But uh, it was just, I remember buying that from the Vagrant Distro, and I remember like handing it to the guy, and the guy was like, really? <laughs> Is this what you're buying? <laughs> and it, it put what? me on a, a weird musical path. But uh, I just thought that was the- like a fun little crossover thing that happened recently. I don't know you, if, uh, if you remember a lot about... Um, people doing distro at shows back in the day but it used to be a thing and this is one of those things where where like vagrant was like cooler than i mean i don't mean like cooler like too cool for school but like just nicer than everybody else is that like we would show up to you know a fest somewhere you Mm -hmm. know in ohio or, or whatever and we'd have to go up to all the distros and be like can you not sell our record at the show that we're playing so that we can sell it and sometimes they would be like 
no. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. like the Rick to Life's of the world out there. <laughs> no, Rick to Life was always hel- fucking hilarious. He goes, <laughs> Rick to Life came to our show at CBGB's when we were. Uh, he was doing distro, and it's our first time at CBGB's, and it was the show that was like the hardcore show slash. It was us, Braid, Spaz, and Monster X. So it was like wow, full on. That's wild. And also, so the, you can, if we can show some respect, it's John Farvados now. Okay, <laughs> you're playing the the the. Pre- you were playing the John Varvatos room. The pre-John Varvatos uh, story. Right, yes. okay. Sorry, it's, it'll always be CVs in my in my heart. But anyway, so Rick to like, so that was the show where like the flyer said like, get up kids, these fucking emo guys from nowhere. Amazing. And, uh, but Rick to Life was at the show and he was doing distro and he's like, yeah, I like all these fucking emo shows. There's lots of chicks here. <laughs> like, That's perfectly like, spot right on. on. He's not anyway, wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I, I always respected about Vagrant is that they were so supportive of, they were just respectful of like the hustle of being in a band and playing a yeah. show and how like, you know, uh, you know, your merch, your merch table is your, is your lifeblood a lot of the times in those early days, you know what oh, I mean? Like, still, it still is. Yeah. Um, Less so as you get older and your your fans want to buy beer, oh, okay. but uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, it was. We just, need to start showing know. up to these clubs with an axe. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get all carry a nation <laughs> on their asses. Start hacking open some kegs. Mm-hmm. So I did drink an unbelievable amount of beers at that uh, at that jawbreaker show. If I can, <laughs> if I can be honest, for me, which and show I'm did sure you come you from? Did this... you come to the the DC? Yeah, show? I went to the Philly one. The Philly one, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the best um, one. We got progressively worse as the weekend went on. <laughs> I don't know why. We're just, we usually get better as things go on, but I think sleep deprivation and drinking probably made things. And then the last so, night I was like, I'm sorry we ran late. And they're like, you ran 10 minutes late. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to play Central Standard Time. Fuck off. So, Matt, I, I got to tell you, that day was a great day for me. Um, I have an eight-month-old, almost nine-month-old. Congratulations. So I don't get out that much, as you would imagine. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, I went to that Philly show. I, I day drank all day. Same. Um, saw the show. That show was like a high school reunion for What's me. What's that? But we went to that bar that Radar State played at that was down the street. Uh, oh, my God. Remember Radar State? Uh <laughs> Shit, the Barbary? No, it was no. like a block. It was like two blocks away. I can't remember the name of it. Something Barcade. <laughs> that was on the way to the place that we were going to. Anyway, oh, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, j- uh, oh, on the, uh, Johnny Brenda. Johnny Brenda. That's it. Yeah. Johnny Brenda. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Radar State played there in 2019. That's a good venue. And they got really cool good spot. food and they got good drinks. There, yeah, and so like uh, that's that was our our hang our hang time because I think we were all really nervous about that show because it was like, you know, I mean, not nervous like we can't play, you know what I mean? Like we know right. how to play, but it was sort of like, I, this is important to me. I don't know if it's important to the people who are here that we're here. You know what I mean? Right. And so. We always do this thing where when we start Dottie, we let the crowd sing the opening line. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that tonight because I don't know. 
<laughs> you don't know if they're going to sing nothing, it back. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing more embarrassing than trying to do like a call and response with the crowd and then they don't do anything. No, that's just when you just you play it over again. Like it, it, you were just doing an extended intro. Just do another <laughs> four, I, I was, four bars. I was <laughs> floored because the whole fucking crowd sang that that line. And I was that's just amazing, like, yeah. I was just like, shit, all right, yeah. And then all of our <laughs> friends from New York who are all Kansas expats came down from Philly and like we had a, like a VIP box up in the front and we're up in the VIP box watching Jawbreaker and Jim and I are fucking freaking out and Ryan just goes, shut the fuck up. You have to sing <laughs> two more shows. Oh, you got man. shushed. You got shushed at he the punk shushed. gig again. No, For the I got. I got. Time. I, I got shut. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was a really fun night. Uh, I kept drinking and then was like, oh, I had to drive it home was a at meaning, some point. It was a meaningful. It was a meaningful trip for us. Oh man! Yeah, and then we kept talking about it. We were just like, "Why was this good?" And I was just like, "Well, honestly, well, I think we were out for blood." You know, like I very much wanted to be like, we should have been on all these shows, and I'm going to show you why. You right. know, <laughs> just oh, I like, love that. Yeah, fuck Jawbox. Am I right? I love Jawbox, but you know. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, I'm basically in uh, Jay Robbins' backyard, so I, can't, I did, pretend I didn't say that. So, <laughs> why has he not been on the pod? That's the question. Why aren't you bumping I, into him? That's a good question. I honestly Are we going to talk about Dillinger 4 or not? I couldn't uh, tell you if I would recognize uh, Jay Robbins if I saw him. I, I think it's time right, we should talk about Dillinger Matt, 4. Fine. Let's wow. talk about your, your I literally Okay, so I have to I have to I'm I'm demanding that we talk about this because You've been champing at the bit this whole time to get, to get into so, the Midwestern songs of the Americas. Yes, it would have been a so, good transition when you were talking about how much you love the Midwest like 20 minutes ago, but we are we're too far gone at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can still I can still bring it back around to, to, to this. Andrew loves <laughs> a, a transition. I want to sure tell do. you that like so I I am someone who suffers from 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 depression and anxiety and I was having a very dark day today. And I don't know why. It just happens. And I was like, well, fuck, I should probably listen to this record a couple times to get ready for the podcast. And now I'm fucking great. Like, hell I'm yeah. Just, like, hell yeah. I'm just like so excited to talk about this record. And, uh, okay. Can I, can I start? Yeah, let's Yo, do it. Go, go for it. Okay, so I have this very vivid memory of being at Kevin Kusatsu's house in Los Angeles. I think it was in Westwood, who was the guy who worked for Vagrant Records, who basically is the reason we ended up signing there. And we stayed at his house when we were making something at home about it. It was six of us, because it was the five of us and our sound guy, sleeping on the floor. And I put on the Dillinger 4 record, and I was listening to it in the, in the driveway. Because I knew Dillinger 4 because they would come through Kansas City, because Minneapolis to Kansas City is just like just down I-35. And I, they were just this kind of weird punk band from Minneapolis. And they would do this thing where they would do like sumo wrestling on stage. <laughs> and so it was kind of this like goofy, this like goofy, I'm like, oh, they're that goofy band from Minneapolis. And so when I put the record on and I heard the first song, I was just like, fuck. I was just like, <laughs> I was just like this is amazing. And then as it just kept going and I kept going... And I know you won't necessarily hear it if you listen to something you're at home about, but that record was very influential to me in trying to write, especially lyrics for that record. Like it was interesting. Well, because like I get really so, and this goes into the Jeff Rosenstock thing too. Where like I I I am an angry sixteen year old punk rocker at heart, right? Like that's that's my lizard brain, and. <laughs> 
that kind of stuff, that righteous anger really speaks to me. And it especially speaks to me when it's like articulate and intellectual. And like, it's one of the things I love about Jawbreaker. It's one of the things I love about D4. It's one of the things I love about the replacements. It's, it's all of this stuff where just like, which is why I've never really been that into like, uh, like, Black Flag a little bit, but like, where it's just sort of like, kind of like base level, like I'm pissed off, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just sure. more like I I want to have like metaphors in there, and I want to have like narratives in there, and and it's not lost on me that like six hours north of me is Dillinger Four, and six hours north of them is the weaker thens in okay. Winnipeg, and so there are things about like what is the song on this record that's like my superpowers enable me to. What the, they have the longest fucking song titles. Too. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, that, that was one thing I definitely like. I was like, oh, it's one of those punk bands, like with the funny song titles, you know? No, it, the thing is, it's like that's a very like emo thing. It's a very like emo like we're gonna have these like long winded like it's a very Panic at the Disco kind of like long <laughs> song title thing, which is, this yeah, is pre it, predates all that. But it's because they have no fucks to give. Like they do yeah. not care. Like they yeah yeah they. They absolutely do not care, and so like one of their songs is called "The Portrait of an Artist Is a Fucking Asshole." Like that's <laughs> a fucking fu- asshole. It's a fucking great song title. It's amazing. Well, so um, it's it's funny because I've had very little exposure to Dillinger Four. They there's something I've I've noticed doing this podcast and listening to a lot of these stuff that people are bringing on as like these you know influential records to them. And they end up becoming what I realized to be like missing link bands in a ton of other stuff I mm. listen to, and. Dillinger 4 is a name I've heard forever and never really got into, and then I realized that was the missing link to all the bands, all the local bands I played when I was growing up. Like, this sounded like so many local bands I went to, like, some of my first shows in middle school. And, like, again, I listened to it, and it all just clicked. Like, it all made sense. But I remember this from, do you remember the short songs for short people, Fat Records Comp? Yes. What that was, was my that? exposure to Dillinger 4, was they, that song, song Farts or Jazz that? Fuller Assholes. <laughs> and that was, and the, the vocals were super high-pitched. I almost didn't recognize them on this record and when I went back and listened to it. But, like, it's so funny how these, like, like I said, I'm listening to these bands for the pod, and it's unlocking these, like, pieces that were missing in, like, my music canon. And it's And this was definitely one of them, you know? I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, that definitely is something like there's, I could rattle off a, a bunch of bands that would be kind of in that, in that genre, but like, as far as like, you know, missing link kind of things, because mm-hmm. as a songwriter, you're, you're, you always draw on these, like, you're always ripping people off. So you want to make sure that you're ripping off <laughs> obscure people. So that yeah. you're not like, you're not like too blatant about it. Yeah, well, like, I mean, you know, when it comes to listening to bands of people who are in like 16, 17 years old, they're it's more of a tribute than a ripoff, you know? It's more of like, this yeah. is the music I listen to. I want to play music that I listen to. Except in this particular record, when you talk about Green Day's American Idiot, which I don't ah. know if you know about that controversy. <laughs> There's a song on Dillinger Four's Midwestern Songs of the Americas called Double Whiskey Coke No Ice, all one word. That's like their and big hit. On this record, kind of, uh, according to Spotify, <laughs> but it is American Idiot. It's oh shit, and they got sued. They sued Green Day over it. Whoa, 
I had no so idea. My understanding is that Billy Joe's, and granted, I'm not talking shit on Green Day. Like Green Day, have, we've toured with them before, and they were nothing but lovely people to us. Green Day, come but, on the pod, defend yourselves. Yeah, I love Billy Joel. Billy Joel is great. <laughs> the very first day of that tour, he came up to us and he's like, "Hey, I'm Billy," and we're like, "We know who the fuck you are. Like, what do you want to know who you are?" <laughs> and he's like. Can I ride with you guys in your van to go guitar shopping with my massive Samoan bodyguard? And we're like, yeah, yes, sure. of course. <laughs> anyway, Amazing. of course. The story that I heard is that his wife is from Minneapolis, and he heard Dillinger Four, and they're the greatest American punk band. And he basically ripped off that that riff, and wow. <clears throat> supposedly they got a buyout for it. But it it goes into like punk lore circles of like how much. Like, they got three hundred million dollars for it, or something. You know, like it's it's some sort of like weird thing. But if you listen to that song, it, it is that riff. It absolutely is the same riff. So I would say not even because of that song, but uh, Green Day should pay uh, Dillinger for whatever they want, like <laughs> for 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 theft of intellectual property. Here's the thing: when this record came out, this record came out in June of '98. Mm-hmm. Right, um, I was 17, and I don't know why I'm pointing at you guys like this one. But well, no, I was just immediately thinking of how old attacked. I was. I would have been threatening gestures. I would have been 21. So the, when I when this record came out, this is just not what I was listening to, which is like such a a, a problem because my the close friends at the time had soured me for punk. By listening to too much No Effects, and I was like, "That is not the punk that I care no, about." What is wrong with No Effects? You don't like not no the effects? punk I cared about at the t- at the time. Think punk about and, it this punk way: Punk and Drublik is a perfect punk record. Punk and Drublik f- is an amazing record. It's a fine record, but oh. but what I will say is is the year this came out. You know, when I was seventeen, I was listening to Chamberlain's "The Moon My Saddle." Like that's oh god, you're that's the kind of. Uh. <laughs> Uh, uh, but I'm saying I you're one of those nine those and I 90s, came back around. Nineties post rock indie snobs. This was the long way around the mountain that to from tell the podcast you, for the soundboard. Yes, That's... thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I the, I'm this is the long way around the mountain for me to tell you that when I came back to it, when I finally listened to like fifteen and like. Uh, you know, Dillinger Four and and Dear Landlord later, I was I appreciated it, I think a lot more. Oh boy! <laughs> Great! <laughs> Jesus Christ! There was this kind of movement of uh, I don't know how to phrase this because uh, like we're we're slightly guilty of it as well of just this sort of like post nineties emo hardcore like intellectualism that got into this sort of like college rock kind of thing and you get into like like I don't dislike Chamberlain I think that they're a fine band but it's like more like the people who listen to them oh, were, yeah. were kind of intolerable like it was just sort of like <laughs> I see it, it was just like it was like college it was like absolutely like college snobbery like it was like well I only drink Pinot Noir, you know, like it was just that that kind of vibe. I think like I it, probably did drink Pinot Noir around that time too. <laughs> and it's nothing against the band. It's nothing against the band at all. The old Pike uh, Chamberlain split is one of. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, um, but 
Yeah, there's a there's a thing about like how punk rock is supposed to be. When you're an indie rocker, as I probably call myself at the time, punk rock is like your guilty pleasure, right? And so when you want to listen to Bad Religion or you want to listen to No Effects or you want to listen to Propagandi's Let's Talk More Rock, which is also a perfect right. punk record. Um, how to clean everything. Yes, exactly. Then you kind of have to like justify it somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to be like, no, I just really kind of like this. Like when I'm cleaning the house or something, you know, and like, <laughs> and, but it is, it is like punk rock can be a high art form, like way more than like indie rock can be a higher art form as well, but it, it just takes itself so fucking seriously. You know what I mean? Like the great thing about Dillinger four is that they, they have no fucks to give. You know right. what I mean? And but, that's but their lyrics actually have like a solid message behind them too. Which absolutely. Is they are also, they are the great American working class blue collar punk band. Like they yeah. are like that song, what I was saying before about superpowers enable, I can't remember the name of the whole, it's about fucking taking the bus to work. <laughs> like the whole song is about taking the bus to work and like meeting an old lady on the bus and like how the only good boss is one that's dead. You know, like it's just like, it's, it's such a good line. Like it's just so yeah. empowering. Well, there's uh I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but it was it became like hyper relevant even still was there's one of the songs literally addresses something along the lines of like, you know, you're ignoring whatever's on the news, like being distracted by like celebrities and fashion and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like the shit happened with like the Met Gala happening the same time that Supreme Court opinion leaked about overturning Roe vs. Wade. And it's like, this is the exact thing they're talking about. Yep. It was crazy. We're distracted by stupid shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, I, another lyric I pulled was, uh, first you had a DIY chip on your shoulder, now you have an ego 50 fanzines wide. And I best, thought that was so fucking, fucking good. Best fucking line. It's I lo- so good. I was going to... I was going to bring that up if you hadn't brought it up. For she got a DOI chip on your shoulder. <laughs> now you got an ego 50 fanzine as well. Don't yeah. give me those eyes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a, like, jaded punk rock, like, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just Well, like, again, it's, it's the people who, like, you know, they make it, quote unquote, and then all of a sudden they're too good for everything else, you know? And, you know, it's, it's the tale as old as time. Well, but it's even that thing of like, like I I have been fortunate enough to play w- with bands that who are are bigger than my band is and who are more successful than me, and I think I'm a grounding influence of just kind of going like, come on, like, <laughs> well yeah, you gotta this you is, gotta like take a step back realize, and it's really like you realize this is stupid, right? Like you yeah. realize that like we get you get paid to sing, you get paid in money for singing, you know? Yeah. Like it's just like yeah yeah yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's it's so it's so funny. Uh, I'm trying to think what other because uh, I remember when this came out. Again, this is like before my time, but I remember when uh, Situationist Comedy came out, and I remember seeing that record cover everywhere. I think that's when they first transitioned over to Fat Records. I think, and so, at that yeah. time, I was very on, into on, Fat Records stuff. They were and, on Hopeless before, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you know something I want to talk about about this record? Yeah, is that. Just from a songwriting perspective, this band is really good about doing this thing where you're listening to a song, and you're like, oh, this is a cool song. And then they transition into another song, like in the same song, like at the end, like after the second chorus, they'll go into like a whole different, the last song on the record, uh, 
which I can't remember the name of it, but is it goes uh, into like a like a real riffy, like almost like Joan Jetty kind of like riff thing. Yeah, the the Great American Going Out of Business Sale, and it's yeah. that that song is so goddamn good. But uh, it's just like it's just like the the song in the song is better than the original song, and it's just like. God damn it. Like well, you that, just had this cool song and then you just made this cooler song inside of it. And it's yeah, just so the, cool. the, the ending of supermodels don't drink Colt 45, like <laughs> nailed me. And I was, I was out on a walk and I heard it and I was just like, all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's, it's great. It was also, uh, is it, is it double whiskey Coke that has this, the great line. Can anybody say there's no free drinks in hell? Like, or is that in a different song? Like I think it's, it's like, in no, an earlier on song. Record. It's on okay. the record, but I think it's an earlier song on the record. God damn it. That's such I, a fucking good line. When I heard line. that line, it blew me away because uh, the dopamines have almost the exact same line in uh, 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 a dopamine song. Oh, really? That I don't remember. So, Matt, how do you feel about the sound clips? Just like as an artistic expression. Oh, me and Andrew had, a, had a, a differing oh, opinion like the, on this. The samples? The samples, yeah. Kind yeah. Of like, so this is kind of interesting because, like, uh, when we did those Jawbreaker shows, because they do that on some of their, like, Bivouac-era stuff, it has, right. like, those samples. And so, like, they were playing a song, an old song, and they had, like, a, a sample in it. And I was just like, huh, I wonder if this is, like, such a throwback that they really do have just, like, a like a Walkman backstage plugged into the... Because <laughs> that's how we used to do it. Like, you know, oh, yeah. when, did they, you know, like... Did they do the samples live? Yeah. Like they had a certain uh, not like in Jet Black, they had Christopher Walken. Yes. Oh man, I I don't know what I must have been. I must have been I think. intoxicated. Am I Matthew? crazy? I, I thought they I did. Know. I don't. They know. definitely did it. I I I don't think I really noticed it until the last night. They definitely did it because I had this this moment of just being like, okay, this is probably just like somebody's iPod like plugged into the <laughs> board, not like. You know, the way we used to do it, which is like I brought a Walkman with a quarter inch to eighth inch oh, yeah. adapter on it. And um, it, it's a it's it's of a time. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, it's a very right. like well, 90s, like punk rock thing to do. But I, mean, I that, think it give this record a uh, a um, what's the word I was I had two seconds ago? A uh, yeah, concept feel. Like, okay, it feels like yeah. a concept record in that sense. Like, the first two songs deal with almost yeah. a, a storyline, and then I kind of lose it after that, but it feels like there could have been, like, it could have been. Well, okay, so you're dealing with a narrative. A lot of their samples, if you want to get real heady about it, either deal with, like, sonic stuff, like yeah. sound related right. things, or religious ones. Mm-hmm, you know, right. like, and. My personal favorite is on their second record, which is <laughs> appropriately called Dillinger Four versus God, um, <laughs> where the the w- the opening to one of my favorite songs just goes, "The devil, ouch!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, "That's like this could be the worst song in the world, but that's the greatest sample I've ever heard." Um, yeah, I, I think my and main so it's gripe. Very, it's a very like '90s like thrift store shopping like you find yeah. like weird. Well, I think a lot of it too is like the, these are samples that could be used uh, probably royalty free because they're probably you know old enough that they don't have any kind of uh, like you know. Well, and you most don't likely have to clear pe- them the really. Who, yeah, they they probably didn't 
uh, even uh, trademark them or, register or them copyright or them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I think I think my main gripe was just that it takes like 30 plus seconds for the record to start. And and the sample at the beginning of the record is quite like low volume, but it does what's the, help. What's the, what's the opening sample? Is it the sing, sing together, merrily, merrily sing? No, uh, it's, well, no, it's like, it's, it's like telling you how to properly like, uh, calibrate your speakers. It's the most, <laughs> like it's the, the most tone. fucking, it's the most fucking nineties, like discord era kind of like, yeah. shit. Right. You but know? when the song kicks in, it kicks in huge. Yes. Right. Which yes. I did appreciate, but the having to sit through like a very low uh, like volume sample. Well, that's an to interesting. That's an interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way before, but that's an interesting like study in dynamics when you're talking about like yeah, you know, you want to have this quiet part, and you want to get used to the quiet part, so that when the loud part comes in, it's more impactful. Yeah, and right. usually you would do that with like you know musically, you know, yeah. but like they're doing it kind of you're you're getting put off guard. You know yeah. what I mean? It's somebody's somebody's giving you a break. Yes, but like, yeah, the, you the, know. The, the, oh no! Go on. I know? guess I never I never thought about that's the way that's the way you control pacing on a record. Yes, absolutely. That's true. It does work in a pacing, pacing way. Pacing and pacing and structure is very very important, and people don't really even think about it because they it's it's so important that the, if you do it right, no one notices. Yeah, <laughs> you know no, that's I mean? true. Like, um, but if you listen to like. Uh, are you familiar with Braid's Frame and Canvas record? Oh, yeah. yeah we, 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 we talked about it on the podcast a couple episodes okay. ago. So you know how the new Nathan Detroit starts off with like the drum set sounds like it's being recorded yeah. on like a boombox. Yep. And the Simti time code. Yeah. And like it, when that kicks in, it's fucking so impactful it's because unreal. it's just like, yeah. it's this like distant thing that you're like straining to hear. And they're kind of doing that with these samples, but they're, it. I mean, you know, they're they they are kind of annoying, but they're they're they are interesting. Some of so, them. So there are times when I feel like people use samples and it becomes part of the record, um, like the samples that are used on like Jersey's Best Dancers, mm-hmm. for instance. Mm-hmm. Those are like I can't unhear those. To the electric bass of the third, fourth, fifth. You know what I mean? Like can I, I say can't something? Unhear real, them. Can I say something? Yeah, real quick? yeah, hit me. Have you ever tried to explain Lifetime to people? No. I, I have a hard time explaining it because I'm like they're like this really great, really fast punk band. They're like a hardcore band. And their songs are really melodic, but you can't understand what the guy's saying, and they're just really, really fast. <laughs> and well, they're really, really good, and they're really, really important. And then people I, go like, "I don't get it." I also blame their them records for are the twenty reason, minutes long. Right. I also blame them for the reason I am the way I am. Like all my friends went and listened to hardcore, like tough guy hardcore records, and I'm like, "Well, this is like hardcore, but they sing about stuff that like I get." So. Well, I'm I'm a I'm uh, I'm a sucker for melody, right? Right. Which is why I was like, this band fucking rules. Hardcore, stupid. you're just you're you're no, that's different. Uh, <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> no, but you get into that kind of thing of like, you're an angry jock who would have beat me up in high school. Like, I don't really want to listen to your band. And then when you get with Lifetime, and you're just like, oh. These are pop songs. They're just really fucking fast, right. you know. I don't know how they do it. Even that like reunion record was like so. Good. How do you? How do you? How do you do the same thing? You can't, but you, make it feel better. So the the guy who was the, the first drummer of the Get Up Kids, who was in the band for like six months, uh, he was a hardcore kid from St. Louis, and uh, it didn't, didn't end up working out. But he he introduced me to Lifetime, and it was just kind of like, wow. 
Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then also a veil, which was just kind of like, oh man, like a veil is such a unicorn. You know what I mean? Like it's 100%. just such a like. This I feel is like a they're very band, underrated they're, too, like they're in, southern, in like modern canon. But they're a southern band. You know what I mean? So they're yeah. like they're very rootsy in a weird sort of way, and it's just I don't know. It's and they were like a pop band that was embraced by punk rock, which is. I mean, they're a punk band too. I don't. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I, so it's there's catchy. You, it's catchy stuff. The, you know. I felt the same thing the first time I heard "Over the James" as I oh. did as the did the first time I heard like all the nation's airports. Like, if you look at that, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to if me. you look that at Archers really of Loaf, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to me. they're such similar uh, vibes. Archers, like, God damn it, Archers of Loaf is such a good band. It, and if, when you look at Eric Bachman, how the fuck do you fit that in there? Like, uh, dude, the, I went to go see Nico Case. Play. Oh yeah, and she's Eric, talking to my wife. That's my fucking. Besides you, Eric Bachman's that's my playing guitar in her band. Bachman's playing here. guitar in her band. And I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" That's Eric Bachman in Eagle oh, Case's band. God. That's why. Despite the fact that you've got John Rahouse on like fucking pedal steel, like that guy's such an amazing player, and she's so amazing. And you know, Kelly Hogan. Oh, Jesus Christ, I can go on and on about Nico Case. Anyway. <laughs> I just don't. I don't understand how. Like, how did she get involved with new pornographers? Like, how the fuck do no you make I, I these amazing country records and then turn around and make, like, amazing, like, self-aware, like, indie pop? It's fucking unbelievable. That's not that that confusing to me. Like, it's just like those. I think that country music is pop music. It's just with fucking fiddles and shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're called Flogging Molly. <laughs> No, that's Celtic. That's yeah. Celtic. <laughs> Punk with fiddles. Oh my god! Count my, me friend, in. my friend Tim, <laughs> who I love to death, will only refer to Flocking Molly as the shitty Pogues. <laughs> <laughs> oh and I'm like, I kind of like Flogging Molly, and he's like, Nah, there's I, the I, shitty Pogues. Oh man, they had that one song, like one of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtracks, and I was just like. Just heard it. Can way I tell too much. you how many people know my band from video games? Like what, it's just wait, something that like I am wait, not. A, what video games? We've talked about syncs on this pod before. What uh? What video games? I don't. I don't know. I am not. I am not a game gaming person. My children are. Um, and they they would certainly never tell me if they heard one of my things. So okay. So this is the thing. You say you talk about syncs. You've talked about syncs before. We yeah. have. Yeah. Okay. So I got. Uh, Supposedly, I got a sync on this new Mike Myers show on Netflix. Oh, okay. And, and this was like a year ago. And they're like, okay, so once it airs, you'll get paid for it. And it just came out like last week. And so now I'm watching the show religiously. <laughs> trying to find. That's how they get you. They just, yeah, you I'm, know. Just, I'm just like, so. I, I found a website end, with your sync on it. Of, okay. Oh, I was gonna say because I I tried to look up get up kids on video games, and all my responses are how do I get my kids off video <laughs> games? Well. Oh, I, I was thinking I I totally expected emo game to pop up. Classic ah. emo game. Oh my Internet god! Internet classic. Uh, but yeah, so you know that great game where your bass player gets raped by Steven Tyler. <laughs> oh my God, that's <laughs> so fucked up. Insane, such a it's snapshot so of an wrong. era. It's so wrong. It's so oh in, it's so incelly, <laughs> like fucking white guy shit. Oh I think it's still 
online somewhere. I will say yes, this of though: we, re- it is. we reached out to the dude who made that, and we we were like, "Can we just? We're gonna make a shirt of these characters that you made on your game." Yeah. And so we made a we made a T-shirt that was like our characters from the emo game, and no one fucking bought it at all. No ah. one had any interest. Oh my god! We oh my have god, all of these amazing ideas for T-shirts that no one gets. Like they're all inside jokes. No I love gets. an inside yeah, joke T-shirt instead, so much. Instead, people are like, "Oh, the getup kits with some wheat. Sure, I'll buy a thousand." <laughs> well, I mean. Hey, that's my bread and butter. Don't knock it. Oh, but, uh, I bet. That was everyone, I had that shirt. That shirt was I, a great shirt. I have the, uh, I, the, new I term, have the, the, new, the Godfather one somewhere. So oh, the new yeah, terminology is vintage classics. Amazing. Um, Evan uh, Evan dared me to. No, oh, he didn't dare me to. Um, <laughs> I did. My my old band uh, did a did a Get Up Kids rip shirt. It was great. I owe you like seven dollars. <laughs> I'll send it over. I give you a pass. We, we made fine. twelve of them of the bomb shirt. Oh man. So uh, yeah, you apparently had. Five songs in 2001's Amped Freestyle Snowboarding, which I definitely oh, played yeah. at some point. Action sure. in Action, Holiday, Loner Dottie, 10 Minutes, and Company Dime. Imagine snowboarding to the Company Dime. <laughs> That's an odd one. That's... And then uh, you had 10 Minutes in Forza Horizon 3, which I also probably played. Huh. Are you just looking at video game syncs or these TV as well? No, that was just video games because that was the big question for us. So the big the big one for TV is that, that show One Tree Hill that was on oh, the yeah. CW. Yeah. Any of those old WB shows had a ton of crazy drops. Right. It, this, it, it's, this is a weird one. But uh, the guy who, the showrunner of that show was a big fan of ours, and he actually reached out to us when the show was getting off the ground if we could use Overdue as the theme song to that show. Oh, shit. And we were kind of like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's free money forever. And, uh, but because it's on Warner Brothers, they made him use a Warner Brothers oh, artist. Shit. Yeah. No. Wow. So and what do you know what song they ended up choosing? I, I mean, don't I'm sure remember. Up, but. but they he ended up like every season he he ended up licensing either a get up good song or a new am song. That's amazing. Um, and then oh he actually God. asked me to audition for a part. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, that was a big thing. Like, uh, I think we, well, it's really funny because it's like also whoever's doing the music for these shows, like you could tell their music taste. When we did our episode about Hot Rod Circuit, uh, who they have so many sinks. <laughs> Nobody's. And uh, literally like every VH1 and like MTV show like had their sinks in there. It was just well, crazy. Well, yeah, you know what sucks though? Those don't pay anything. Oh, anything on VH1 yeah. and MTV does not pay because they, they go, well, it's promotion. Oh my God! Can you imagine exposure, Matt? Matt, I I don't know if I remember this correctly, so I'm gonna need your help on this. Okay, is it true that there were a pair of pants from Express that had Get Up Kids lyrics on them? Wait, what? Uh, there yeah. was. A, I swear to fucking God, I remember. So I don't. Somebody know saying about yeah, there was like a pair of jeans that had rhinestone-studded Get Up Kids <laughs> lyrics in them. So I don't know that in particular, but I do know that I want to say like five years ago or so, Levi's put out this jean jacket that was like a four hundred and fifty dollar ripped up jean jacket i remember that that said that said get up kid on it and i do remember that like 
like independently you? of anything related to us and our sure. man we reached out we're just like can we just get like some levi's credit like you know like if nothing right. else like <laughs> like i don't really care but like and they they just didn't do anything with it but it was it was just kind of like it was it was just kind of weird like it's a it's a i mean you could come up with that terminology on your own can independently you though? of I, yeah, I, don't yeah, I don't know. That's there was something real. I'm, I was start scrubbing the internet for it. I feel like this was in the era. I don't of remember like, that. I don't. I mean, it's entirely possible, but I. I also. It is also very probable that I would have been completely oblivious to it at the mm. time. So yeah. I just uh, tried apparently, to. Yeah, I just tried to Google get up kids jeans, and it just comes up the uh, the Reggie song, "Drunk Girl at the Get Up Kids Show." Guess jeans parentheses <laughs> so, that's taken over the uh the the search results i i i tried to look and see if if dillinger four had any sinks i couldn't find them they're they're too punk their too wiki punk is surprisingly not informative scam so they're off they're the they're the musical equivalent of being off the grid they don't play shows very often they play fest in gainesville like every yeah. other year and that seems to be about it and but they Fucking hell. So they used to have two of the guys used to own a club in Minneapolis called Triple Rock. And I very distinctly early on uh, said to our booking agent, I was just like, I want to play at Triple Rock. And he's like, what is that? Because before we were playing at a place that was owned by actually owned by Prince. In Minneapolis. Oh, wow. Amazing. That was, that was very purple. Everything was very purple. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> is that First Ave? No, no, no. We've played First Ave too. But, uh, but she's like, I want to play at Triple Rock. And like, why do you want to play at Triple Rock? And like, because fucking Dillinger 4 owns Triple Rock. I want to play at Triple Rock. And got there, and Patty, the bass player who sings, like, kind of, he's kind of like the, the lower voiced singer guy. He yeah. was working the door, and I fucking, I just shut down. I was just like, Sorry, sir. Like I was like, I'm like, I'm the so you, singer of the headlining band playing a sold out show, and I got nervous <laughs> by meeting the door guy. That's so good. That's that's everything about. Man, emo celebrities—they're just like us. Am I right? Honestly, like I, like I could walk into a room and meet Bono and be like, who? You know, <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. like if I met fucking Ian, like I, someone told me like, oh yeah, my okay. So my my next door neighbors, their daughter lives in D.C. and she's like, oh, I'm thinking I'm gonna come to your show in D.C. or in Maryland. You know, I got a buddy and he's really good friends with Ian McKay. And I just went, what? <laughs> and she yeah. was like, yeah. Do you want me to see if he can come to the show? And I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely like, not. <laughs> And my buddy Pete, her dad was like, "Oh, is he like your nemesis?" And I'm like, "No, he's my hero." (laughs) I would not know what to do. It's easy, like oh, and then apparently he came to the fucking show. The kids, the fucking god, the the Warriors. Did you watch the Warriors at the show in Philly? The band that played before us. No, they were God. They're from Philly. They're so good. They're really, really good band. But they were so. They came to our backstage in D.C. It's in Maryland, but we're just calling it D.C. And they're like, hey, we drank a lot of your tequila last time, so we brought you a bottle of tequila. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, you can have our our tequila is your tequila. Like, as long yeah. as our, our rule with bands that we play with is as long as we don't walk off stage and everything's gone, we're fine. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> that's fair. 
And so they go, did you hear? I'm like, what? And I'm like sweaty in like gig <laughs> clothes or whatever. And I'm like, hear what? And like, Ian McKay's here. And I just went, <laughs> I'm going in the, I'm going to go in the bathroom and just hide. Forever. Oh my God. It, it, it doesn't. What he's a tangent a, that was. He's such like a, like a subcultural, like human meme. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way at all. Like I have nothing but the utmost respect for that man and his art, but like, it, like he says things and he's such a speaker for a specific, you know, he's like an expert on something that we all care mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, his things that he says to normal people are like, I don't, this guy lives in a fucking dilapidated house where nobody can do any landscaping. Like <laughs> who cares? And, and, and meanwhile, we're all like, you oh obviously God. do not understand the importance of that house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you don't, you don't, you know, I could talk forever about in on the kill taker, but it's like, you know, okay. to normal people, it doesn't fucking matter. And that's what's so insane. But this is the thing that brings us back to Dillinger 4, is that to normal people, they don't know how great this fucking band is and how great this right. record is. Like, in the same way that, like... So if you're going to talk about perfect, what I consider, and this is my personal list, if you're going to go from perfect punk records, right? So you go with London Calling, and then mm-hmm. you would cut to probably... In on the Kill Taker. Although I would put In on the Kill Taker and Repeater as like a, a combo kind of thing. Sure. Out Come the Wolves. Yeah. And Midwestern Songs of the Americas. And I would put Punk and Drublick in there, even though I know you guys don't like it. Hey, <laughs> right, uh, Andrew can speak for himself. I was an OFX fan back in the day. Let, let's talk more rock propaganda being like the most queer focused fucking punk record that I've in the fucking early 90s like how crazy is that and then now I'm kind of obsessed with this fucking Jeff Rose's talk record it's like the last great American punk record so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know I mean I like I would have to put a bad religion record in there I might even say like Which I one? love the Which gray one? race like the, the gray, gray race? race was the first one I heard against the grain probably you know what's actually so. a really good uh, uh, bad religion record that no one talks about is the fucking American Jesus one, I the... yeah, I mean, so I a long time ago I got really obsessed with watching like MTV content from the mid '90s. Okay, like on YouTube, and I watched that American Jesus performance on like 120 minutes, uh-huh. and it's so fucking crazy what MTV aired in that you know period of time. Like well, yeah. people who we thought were incredible bands like had no. Like, there was no pretension. Like, Greg Raffin's wearing, like, almost knee-high white socks. Like, there's no... Really there's leaning no into the SoCal vibes. There. Well, have you ever seen an old Get Up Kids photo? Like, we're wearing fucking thrift I store have. fucking dickies that are pleated and, like, you know... I, uh, I, I, I gotta gl- say, those... glasses and shit. Those, uh, those early Get Up Kids photos uh, spoke a lot to my early high school attire. A lot of, so a lot of khaki pants, I, a lot of long sideburns. Uh, it's true. When I, when I interviewed Mark Hoppus for the Vagrant podcast, he was like, you know, you guys are like the cool kids. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, we're, That's I incredible. Mean, I was just like, we were fucking thrift store nerds who listened to fucking... Archers a loaf and super <laughs> yeah. just like like we were obsessed with Weezer before we realized they were dicks. And then like 
Speaking know. of which, are you are you up to date with your Weezify subscription? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did more digging. I I got a I got a month free just to check it out. Amazing. And boy oh boy, is it uh everything it's billed as and more. Po- I'm, possibly. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fantastic. The uh, um, so I want I wanted to go back real quick to something you mentioned. Hours ago. Um, uh, okay. Well, then, then this will be this will be it. We're gonna have to wrap it up because I have to pee really bad. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to talk about. Uh, you mentioned listening to this while you were writing uh, something to write home about, and like, yes, I feel like no one would ever be able to make that connection unless. Like, Isn't that great I, though? I, I like lined great? it up in my head. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. this came out while you were writing that, and yeah, I would not put that that like when you say you built your kind of songwriting kind of scope on this it, it makes a little more sense but only so sort my, of <laughs> my approach to lyrics is uh really obtuse like it's it's based on on fagazi and it's based on uh other uh it's a little bit based on wilco as well but it just kind of like like action and action doesn't isn't really about anything it's just a song about random shit that was going on in my head at the time and i mean sometimes the songs are very direct you know what i mean but uh so it's more just that kind of like jawbreaker influence and and I would say Dillinger 4 influence of like just trying to say something that is I guess smart but that sounds like kind of high and mighty a little bit it's just more to like something that just doesn't sound like like if you're an angry punk rocker it's really easy to just be like I'm an angry punk rocker <laughs> yeah. it's way more it's way more refined to come up with a more articulate way to like come up with a metaphor for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's where I take a lot of influence. Also just the fucking melodies on this record are so good. That's true. Cool. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope you're ready. I have a full hours worth of content asking about Ken Shipley and the tree records comp, but oh, Jesus. Uh, I guess we can table that for another time. Um, <laughs> I think, whatever yeah, happened I think the- to that dude? Uh, do, yo, he runs Numero Group. Oh, okay. Like re re releases every every great record ever made. Cool. Yeah. They just did the karate records. Unfucking. Oh, that's who put that out. Okay, that's right. cool. Unbelievable. Damn, that's wild. I'll have to I'll have to see if there will be an indie week this year. But uh, I think Numero Group is represented there. But uh, yeah, no, this has been. You got to come back on. I feel like there's still a lot of meat left on the bone. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. Uh, do you have any? We should probably talk about Dillinger Four another time. Yeah, maybe come back and I mean, finish our talk, conversation. Honestly, we actually uh, shouldn't have had a topic. Honestly, we should have just said like, "Come on the pod and just rift." We'll just do that next time. We don't have that's, to. Have that's it. yeah. It's only that's going to be all of our Patreon content. Yeah, yeah. The, the record <laughs> is mean, just like a nice little thing you can get back to if you run out of things to talk about. But you, you're I never, a dream guest. I never. Never run out of things. To I love it. About. Yeah, we, love we'd love it. to have you back anytime. Uh, anytime. Do you have anything to plug? No. Another another terrible <laughs> twos record. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't make those anymore because my kids are too old. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, you Listen know what's to getting the get announced? Up kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean that band's that band's pretty all right. Uh, you know what's actually getting announced tomorrow is the. F- we're going to play at Riot Fest. We're doing um, we're doing the 25th anniversary of Four Minute Mile. Wow, this that's fall. That's, that's huge. So this would be an exclusive an, if this wasn't coming out in a week. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's it's getting an, the Riot Fest show is getting announced tomorrow. I don't think the whole tour is getting announced till after okay. the the Vagrant shows that we're doing. Um, wow, which will be fun. Uh, <laughs> those will be really. You putting us the anniversary Wait, and Hot Red Circuit on the same show? We're just gonna we, be a fucking wild. I, I That's can't amazing. believe Burwanger would do those shows. He and I talk about it. He like he'll do he'll do every once in a while. Like he'll do he'll do it Man, every once in a while. I can I know I know I know. I don't want to open this back up, but that uh, that anniversary super drag split. It's holy so good. Fucking shit! It's oh my so god! It's so good. good. Um. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to keep going. Uh, you can you can find me on Instagram at my Spro called life, and I started tweeting from uh, run into the ground, run in the number two, the ground. Yep, uh, and you can follow us both at run into the ground on Instagram, uh, Dan Bassini on Twitter and Instagram, danbassini.com. No invite, Volume Eight. My new book has a release date, a release party, and a photo exhibit happening at. 131 wow. Christie Street uh, in the Lower East Side, New York, uh, at the SFA Gallery slash Figure 19. Uh, so the yeah, kids are playing. They're going to play all the hits, <laughs> everything you want to hear. Uh, we can definitely and make all, that happen. And uh, all replacements uh, requests. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> I, w- I wish. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so release party June 2nd, 6 p.m., 131 Christie Street. Come out, pre order your book dambassini.com and uh yeah rate review subscribe all the fun stuff matt Pryor, absolute happy to have you on you're welcome back anytime you want to come back and talk shit yeah absolutely this was really fun I, <laughs> we can, actually, we can I really come talk about that. that jeff rosenstock record next if you want to come back on so i'm oh. more than welcome to have you <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to write my dissertation on it though oh perfect we get Love into it. it that's great awesome well uh until next time thanks again and everybody Cheers, else guys. catch it was you a, later it's a pleasure Bye.